On today's episode of the TV Yearbook, we discuss greedy doppelgangers, the Idaho Trail, and the most creative answer to cast turnover TV has ever seen. So don't touch that dial. The TV Yearbook starts now. Hello. Welcome to Season 2, Episode 6 of the TV Yearbook, a podcast about the best and the worst episodes of iconic television shows. I am your first host, Dom. And I am your second host, James. In each episode of the TV Yearbook, we pick a popular TV show from the past and use the internet to discover its best and its worst episodes. Then we'll discuss them through the lens of today. And just like your high school yearbook gave out superlative awards such as most likely to ride a horse and least likely to be <laughs> like a horse. Oh. At the end of the show, we will share our superlatives. Oh, gosh. What does that mean? Right, Greg? Uh, yeah, that's right, James. And I'm your third host, Greg. In season two of the year. <laughs> gosh. We're learning so much together. <laughs> In season two of the TV yearbook, we've been looking at sci-fi shows from the late 80s into the 1990s. Our show today ran for five seasons, starting in 1995. It had a couple of award nominations, including one Emmy nomination, and was the 1995 winner of an Environmental Media Award for an episode that we are not talking about today. (laughs) While this show did not produce any spinoffs or movies... This show did have an incredibly loyal fan base and indirectly led to Jerry O'Connell getting the lead role in Kangaroo Jack. Our show today, of course, is Sliders. What if you found a portal to a parallel universe? What if you could slide into a thousand different worlds where it's the same year and you're the same person, but everything else is different? And what if you can't find your way home? Slider's first three seasons were on Fox, and its final two were with the Sci-Fi Channel, thanks to a generous letter-writing campaign from superfans keeping the show alive. It stars the 80s super child movie actor Jerry O'Connell, playing the lead Quinn Mallory, and B-movie professional sidekick John Reese davies who discover a way to slide between multiple versions of reality. Picking up where Quantum Leap leaves off, sort of, this group of four companions cannot stop their process, jumping from one alternate reality to another. For example, if the British would have won the American Revolution, or if women were the historically dominant sex instead of men, etc., etc. By the final season, we have a mostly different cast, but throughout the whole series, the Sliders are hoping to finally slide home to their prime Earth reality. This alternate history thought experiment was a fresh take on sci-fi TV, and the show came out swinging for the chance to capture a new generation of sci-fi fans. So, Greg, you want to tell us the 90-second plot line of the best episode? Season 2, Episode 8, Post-Traumatic Slide Syndrome. That's right. Nope, wrong one. Um, (laughs) Sure thing, Professor. All right, we start our... (laughs) We... (laughs) We start our best episode with one of our four sliders, Rembrandt, talking to a psychiatrist about past events. Flashback! 
The group has seemingly slid back to their prime reality. Quinn sees his mom, big hugs, etc., and it seems real, and they become celebrities. Rembrandt gets his musical superstardom, Wade gets her life as a famous writer, but Quinn starts noticing that everything just ain't right. And when they see the bluish Azure Gate Bridge in San Francisco, everyone knows they're not really home. But the professor has changed. He's become greedy, and he takes full credit for the invention of sliding. They come to find out that this reality's Professor Arturo locked up their Arturo in the basement and has been impersonating him. They rescue the real professor, but then both professors get into a scuffle. And we have that classic, who's the real professor dilemma. The sliding portal appears, and Quinn, Rimbrat, Wade, and one of the professors leave this reality. The remaining professor cryptically proclaims, oh my god. And we're left to wonder which professor actually slid. Back in the therapy session, the psychiatrist calls for a straitjacket. But the other three sliders come in, get Rembrandt, and they slide right out in front of the doctor. The episode ends with the psychiatrist in the straitjacket mumbling about disappearing people. Well, that was pretty good. I feel satisfied. Well, thank you. Appreciate that. Did you all watch this show when you all were growing up? Yeah, I did. I mean, I wasn't one of the diehard fans that were writing in to keep the show alive. And I did not watch this show from start to finish. But I remember many of the episodes. I maybe watched a couple on the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, but I had I had very fond memories of this show. I watched it from the beginning. And that first episode or two, the pilot, I thought this show is going to change everything and then i got distracted by other things i don't even know what but i kind of fell out after the first season or two yeah puberty will do that dom (laughs) now we all know you went through puberty when you were like four years old or something stupid like that came out with a beard (laughs) did you all like the theme song i didn't even recognize it. all i remember is whispers yeah the end the yeah sliders Sliders. It reminded me of uh, an old skit on Conan O'Brien where they get a celebrity. It's like, Gwyneth Paltrow, secrets. And then they're sitting there smoking at the table, just saying absurd things. That reminded me of that. But I never watched Sliders growing up at all. But it immediately became evident to me that they're searching for their home. They're jumping through dimensions and realities. It felt a lot like Quantum Leap. That's why I liked it, because I I liked Quantum Leap when I was a younger kid. And so it felt to me like, wow, this is like the new, the grunge generation going into sci-fi. And uh, there is a lot of jumping and confusion to start each episode. I think it is a lot like Quantum Leap, but a little bit more story-driven. I think the concepts of alternate realities is much more compelling than... Sam Beckett jumping into oh yeah different people's lives yeah so I mean the whole multiverse idea obviously existed before this show but it right. feels like this is the f- I think this might be the first time uh, maybe Star Trek did it this is the first memorable time where the show is built around that this whole idea that there are multiple realities going on at the same time the multiverse idea yeah Star Trek did that back in the sixties actually where there was this mirror universe everybody was really mean over there Spock was a jerk. I mean, he was kind of a jerk anyway, but... <laughs> Just logical. Is that the one where he had a goatee? Yeah, that's evil spot. Is that, is that what right. started, if you're going to be evil, just put a goatee on it? That might be the beginning. <laughs> Better be the right one, man. Of course I'm the right one, you blistering idiot. 
Well, in the episode, we get Rembrandt in the office telling the episode as a flashback. And I like this, that they were using Rembrandt as kind of the vehicle. Because he's he's my second favorite character um, of the show. He serves oh. as your normal kind of everyman for the audience. And they finally slide into a world that they truly believe is their own, Earth Prime. And immediately I have issues. Because they believe that they are home. And number one... They do not immediately leave to go home to their families. Hmm. And then they decide, (laughs) we're not going to tell anyone what happened because we don't want our fantastic story to come out because we have this invention that we don't know how to harness. And then three, they actually believe people would believe that story. Well, no, they start by saying, we're not going to tell. I know, but that's my problem. It's not because they don't want to sound crazy. It's because we don't want the secret getting out. Secrets. <laughs> <laughs> right? Am I explaining my issue? So you should keep it you should keep it a secret, but you're saying they're keeping it secret for the wrong reason. Yes, they're ke- because no one would believe that. Well, yeah. Uh, it okay. seems like everybody did believe it because well, they all true. told their secret and then everybody was like, <laughs> everybody was like oh, that makes sense. I believe it. <laughs> well, everybody was basically in a state of shock. My sister just screamed, oh my God, for 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> I don't I can't even think of an alive scientist superstar. Neil deGrasse Tyson. There you go. He's yeah. the most famous one, right? Or Bill Nye. If he came out with a press conference and be like, listen, everyone. Uh, I've been sliding into alternate realities for the last 18 months. I think they would take away his PhDs. No, though a lot of those are honorary. They can't. (laughs) No, he has so much credibility chips. Of course, you would you would be 51 percent. Okay, let's let's hear him out. I wouldn't hear him out thinking, oh, he's telling the truth. I would want to hear him out to to hear how insane he's. (laughs) Well, okay. And look, I get that it's a TV show and they need to move the story forward. Yes. But I just didn't like how they just assumed that people would believe their story right off the bat. And they haven't even determined that they're in the right world or not. Because, uh, James, I agree with you. The first thing you do, you see your families. The second thing you do is you make sure that you're in the right world. And there's a billion different easy ways to do that. Like, the reason that they found out they weren't in the right world initially, Jerry O'Connell, Quinn, he discovers the Super Bowl that was wrong. Like, 20 years ago, who won the Super Bowl? Right. He's like, no, 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 they didn't win the Super Bowl. That was one thing. Well, this is this is a part of the story that I don't really have a problem with. Because when they get there, this is the first time in a year and a half where everything lines up that they just jump in feet head first without even thinking that I'm, I'm back home, I'm in the real world. So I actually give them a pass for not knowing right off the bat. It's a perfect example of confirmation bias because everyone mm-hmm. except Quinn... It always comes back to confirmation bias. I never say that. <laughs> <laughs> everyone else is like wealthy or famous and everyone's like, of course this is the right world. Now we're famous. But Quinn is the most critical in saying, ah, I'm not really sure this is right. Meanwhile, we don't know it yet, but Professor Arturo... Gimli, son of Gloin, has been <laughs> kidnapped in the basement of the alternative professor who never slid in the first place. That's what's so confusing about this is they show up and in the same reality, three out of four of the main characters have 
gone into the sliding escapade, except the professor. He stayed behind. I mean, that's the intriguing part about this episode. Like, everything is working out for them. I mean, Arturo, granted, we learned that it's the fake one. All he did was have a press conference. Everyone believes him. They dub him the father of interdimensional travel. They make him a, a gold mm-hmm. statue. They name a museum wing after him. That all him. happened so fast. <laughs> they had to start that statue from second one that they arrived. <laughs> I mean. They're really moving fast. I mean, everything is everything is working out. And I think that's the interesting part is that. Like, what would you do? And that's always been the interesting part of the show. But in this episode, this is what sets up what is compelling about it. Everything is perfect, except for little teeny things like the Azure Gate Bridge. Oh, my God. The Golden Gate Bridge. It's blue. Quinn sees a picture of it and says, aha, now I know for sure this is the wrong place because the Golden Gate Bridge is, in fact, did they paint it blue? What? How did they make it blue? Um, so when the Golden Gate Bridge was first uh, constructed in 1878 is a fact that I just made up. So we're going to move on and not talk about that at all. Okay. No, but there's so many other easy ways to find out. Pick up a history book and you read up on the Idaho Trail and you're like, ah, this is not, not right. correct. Yeah. As you die of, of, of cholera instead of dysentery somewhere around Fort Bridger. You know, it's not. You realize. I don't know if that's a joke. What is? <laughs> where is Fort Bridger? It's on the Idaho Trail, Dom. It seems so easy to find the truth on whether they're there or not. Just pick up a book. Pick up Larry Potter. I don't know. I don't care. It's just Larry. It just seems so easy. And I understand that you're rich and famous. The mind and body sees and does what yeah. it wants to. It Did does. I add a body in there? A yeah, body, the, a body yeah. sees what it wants. Yeah, we all know that. <laughs> body does what yeah. it wants. You're right, though. I mean, it was. It is interesting that it was so hard for them, three at least three out of four of them, to believe that they were not quite home. Which is why midway through this episode, I made a prediction because oh. Rembrandt, Wade, and the professor. They were all acting really strange, and so yeah. I immediately suspected that all three of them had been replaced by their that current reality's doppelgangers. Doppelgangers. Oh, yeah. Now, of course, we found out that I was only one third correct. Yeah. But I will take that. I will still take that partial credit. Let me ask you: if you if you slid into the alternate version of reality where you were realizing your your biggest dream. You know, if if you you become the podcast king all of a sudden in this alternate reality and you're making millions because of your famous podcast. Is that my biggest dream? Are we not doing that right now? (laughs) We're working on it. We're working on it. Do you stay if you can? This idea that you're sliding into an infinite number of alternate universes. You're never getting home. You wouldn't think so. It's just not going to happen. And so mathematically, it's you know, not probable. I understand sliding for a while, but eventually you have to just settle with pick the best one. All right, I'm home. Like this yeah. is close enough. I'm never getting back. This is good enough. You know, you kind of just got to take what you have. It's semi-real. Because you're never getting home. Infinite <laughs> numbers of alternate realities. That's like thousands of realities. I mean, there has to be a... <laughs> <laughs> Trust me, guys. Some things I know like the back of my hand. This isn't our earth. Well, there's there's not a lot that really goes on in this episode. I mean, pretty much 
what would you say? 75% of the episode is just Quinn trying to tell the group, hey, this isn't our Earth. And the other right. two saying, shut up, shut leave up. us alone. <laughs> like, that's that's yeah. pretty much all that that's happens. It. Stop talking. And then let us be rich and famous. When they finally see the Blue Gate Bridge, he convinces everybody. <laughs> and then they realize they need to steal the timer back. And so they go to Arturo's house. And this is at the end. I mean, we're talking like the last five minutes of the show. And this is where we get our twist. <clears throat> The mm. M. Night Shyamalan twist I, at the well, end. That's, yeah. Because yeah. they get to Arturo's house, who they still think is their Arturo. Were you all surprised when they uh, looked down into the dark basement, they opened up the door, and they said, Asps, very dangerous. You go first. I don't, re- I'm not remembering that. What are you talking Holy about? Holy crap, we need to move on now. <laughs> oh, Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Indiana Jones. Oh my god. It's Indiana Jones. It just it's it's, a, it's late at night. Oh. I didn't have enough coffee. I get it. Cuz he was it, No, we're going to leave that in. No, we're going to no, leave that in. No, we're not. This <laughs> it, it reflects poorly on all of us. <laughs> I didn't take good notes this time, so I thought I felt insecure about not remembering. (laughs) But anyway, they get to the basement, and yes, they find John Reese davies Professor Arturo, chained up. Professor, what are you doing? Having a tea party. What does it look like I'm doing? My insane devil and his devious assistant have had me chained down here since Monday week. And we well, so then we b- presumably believe it's the real one, and then the fake one shows up, and now we have our drama, and they argue and they fight. We don't know which one is which because somehow they're wearing the exact same clothes, <laughs> yeah. the exact same multicolored <laughs> yeah. Rorschach tie that is all popular in the nineties. I love those ties. Classic professor. And then when they slide, only one makes it through. Now, personally, yep. I think it's obvious. The correct one made it through. Whoa. I thought probably the wrong one got through. But why? Do you think? Because the one that stays behind says, oh my God. As in like. Jeepers. That's. Well, yeah. (laughs) It just seemed like the evil professor would have been like, ah, shucks. You know, but but instead it's an, oh my God. Based on just that episode, the cliffhanger to me was really, really good because I thought the wrong one went through the portal. Greg, what'd you think? I'm an optimist. I think he made it through because it's such a tight, cohesive group. And I really do like their chemistry a lot. And I think it would be evident in the following episode whether or not that chemistry was still there or not. So I think the real one got through. And the only reason I think it's obvious is because... Mm. The fake one did not slide because he was too scared. Mm. He chickened out at the last minute. That's why he's in their world and the other three are gone. At the end when they're fighting, I would think that if you were scared to slide the first time, you're not going to just jump head first your first chance at the end. And so my take on the oh my God at the end was oh my God, I've just lost everything. But I also did some other research about this, trying to answer this question. So Uh according to the creator of the show, whose Mm. name was Tracy Torme, who Mm. was Mel Torme's son, the singer. The Velvet Fog. 
the Velvet Fog. It was his son that created the show, who also was a. <laughs> I do not know that name. Sure. <laughs> who Sounds also good. he was a writer on Star Trek: The Next Generation. If you tell me that Tracy Torme directed the the sensual candle episode with Beverly and Ronan, I am going to leave this podcast. James. That would be hilarious. <laughs> Uh, I wish. No, no, that's not what I'm going to say. <clears throat> According to him, the creator, he says the wrong one, the fake one, is the one that made it through. I knew it. Well, skepticism is natural in the face of such a remarkable achievement. <laughs> but I I do want to take a moment to talk about John Rhys-Davies. Great actor. We know him from Indiana Jones, Boom. Lord of the Rings. But when you look at his career on IMDb, it does not, in my opinion, reflect the caliber of actor that he is. I was stunned that he starred in Anaconda 3 and 4. <laughs> I also learned that there is an Anaconda 5, oh. which is actually a crossover with Lake Placid, oh. which actually oh. sounds pretty awesome. <laughs> I saw both of those in the theater. I'm not going to lie. As you should have. And yeah. so it got me thinking, I went down the rabbit hole of animal-based <laughs> movie sequels. In that sequel, John Voight eats the snake. <laughs> <laughs> but as I was looking at all these movies, I was depressed at how much crap we oh, no. as a society are willing to watch. The yeah. amount of just animal-based sequels. So you're not disappointed at John Reese davies You're disappointed no. at society. I'm Yes. Oh. <laughs> I'm disappointed in society. Society. That these things exist. And so what is your favorite D-tier animal movie? Okay. Because A – well, hold on. Can you give me an A, B, and C? An A so would I be know. Jaws. That's an A tier. Or Free Willy. Yeah. Those okay. Be- no, that – I. Those are not in the same tier. Free Willy could be a B. A, a D B? would be like Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. <laughs> uh, no, or, that's C. That was in the theaters, James. That was okay. in the theaters. Fine. Made $126 million. Land Before Time 13. Is that a real movie? That yeah. is a real movie. That is. Shut up. It is. Oh, I'm sorry, James. Alvin and the Chipmunks, the Squeakquel. I said 126 million dollars. No, it made 443 million dollars. I'm sorry. What? Oh, I love society. So, Greg, uh, is that your answer to the question? No, my answer is Beethoven second. I know they made 12 of them or whatever, but I think Beethoven second. First off, who doesn't love Charles Grodin? Just <laughs> Charles Grodin. Just hating on a dog. <laughs> gift that keeps on giving that's ruining his life <laughs> oh my gosh but when i was a kid i would watch beethoven second like quite a bit i guess it was on vhs it was it was there did you guys watch caddyshack 2 does that count was that d well i loved caddyshack 2 because that was the first caddyshack i watched i never saw the first one what how is that possible? I, I, I was it's just seven. I just, don't know. It just happened. <laughs> <laughs> that's, oh, that's man. Just, that's just the first one I watched. And so I okay. was in elementary school when I saw it the first time. And yeah, just was on. In elementary school, every movie is great. Yeah. James, how many times have me and you watched Tremors 2 together? 
It's embarrassing. It, what is the answer? I don't it, want it to be on what record. Is the it cannot be less than 10. It cannot it's be. Not. No it's not. It's not. That is disgusting, you guys. You should be ashamed. And, and this was before streaming. That is filthy. Did I spend almost $6 for a used Tremors 2 VHS tape? It doesn't matter. <laughs> How did that conversation go? James, what do you want to do tonight? I don't know. What do you think about Trevor's Two for a seventh time? Let's do it. Yeah, put it on just like that, huh? Have you ever watched it? I not the whole thing. Well, you're missing out. <laughs> Bonus content for our listener. <laughs> <laughs> Should we do a show on the Tremor series? The top six, the best and worst of Tremors. Oh my gosh, I would love that. But anyway, no, I have to tell my entry. To the D tier is Air Bud 3. And mainly because of the butler who was played by Duncan Regeer. No. Who was Ronan. Shut up. (laughs) (laughs) Don't you not. Look, will you two grow up? This is as good as it gets. Well, we've been spending a lot of time talking about John Reese davies who agreed is amazing. And I had no idea he was in so many C or D tier animal comedies. But Jerry O'Connell was the star of this show. And a great lead. Mm-hmm. And I had been wondering about Jerry O'Connell because I was surprised to see him in there because I just didn't know anything about the show. And mm. what I thought we might do, we've never done this, but a segment I like to call Jerry O'Connell Trivia. Oh. <laughs> and I looked up okay. the Wikipedia page for Jerry O'Connell. And mm-hmm. I am going to tell you three, abbreviated for you know podcast purposes, so three actual sentences from the Jerry O'Connell Wikipedia page. And one... From the Freddie Prince Jr. Wikipedia page. (laughs) (laughs) And you got to tell me. (laughs) Which one's which? Which one is the Freddie Prince Jr. one? (laughs) Oh, dear. All right. All right. And they go in chronological order. Here we go. Sentence number one. In 2004, Jerry O'Connell wore a diaper on last call with Carson Daly during a mock commercial skit for Goodnight's bedwetting product. Mm. That's the first one. Number two. In 2008, Jerry O'Connell starred in Fox's new show, Do Not Disturb, but Fox canceled the show after only three episodes. Mm. <laughs> Number yeah, three. He does have the Fox connection. In 2010, Jerry O'Connell made an on-screen appearance as Vince McMahon's doctor on WWE Monday Night Raw in a dream sequence scene. Oof. And number mm. four. In 2020, Jerry O'Connell starred in commercials for Bob Evans grocery items alongside <laughs> Alfonso Ribeiro, who is Carlton. Oh my gosh. Those, these are wow. so These are also wow. the four saddest sentences I've ever heard. <laughs> wow. Granted, I would take any of those roles, but that's because I'm desperate. Good. I believe you have taken one of those roles. <laughs> One of those sentences is from my Wikipedia page. (laughs) It's a twist like we've never experienced. I'm going with number one. Number one is the Freddie Prince. I'm going to go number D. Number D is a letter. And that's the Freddie Prince. (laughs) Freddie Prince and Carlton in the Bob Evans commercial? Yeah. Going with it. Dom, you said D. James, you said A. Both of you are just... Just wrong because it's the WWE Monday Night Raw. Freddie Prince Jr. was Vince McMahon's doctor. Okay. C was my second choice. But the other three sentences are pretty much word for word from Jerry O'Connell's Wikipedia page. (laughs) Interesting trivia. I like that. I like that bit. But 
He was on That's... Sliders and Kangaroo Jack and Stand By Me, the 1986 coming of age comedy. I mean, Stand By Me. Actually, right. not a comedy. <laughs> I laughed. I cried. <laughs> I saw a dead body. <laughs> Haven't seen Stand By Me, so I can't speak to it. What? You've what? never seen Stand By Me? No. Wow. It's good. Greg. It's really good. Are you good. kidding me? No. There's a scene oh, where they man. have leeches on their penises. And there's the best vomit scene in any movie ever. It's true. Do you think that I'm pro-leech and pro-vomit? <laughs> you're going to love it. If you're pro-tremors, you got to be pro-leech. That's true. Uh, it doesn't matter if the leeches are underground or in your underwear. A leech is a leech. <laughs> underground or underwear. <laughs> well, we'll see what we keep here from this first episode. <laughs> Look, will you two grow up? This is as good as it gets. But why is this the best episode? I don't think this is the best episode. I liked it, but I I think there are other episodes that personally I feel is better. But I think traditionally what we have seen in all of the shows that we've done is that these best episodes are typically very different from other episodes of the series. So, I mean, here we we have the flashback. We have the twist ending. This is the first time that they believe that they're home. So those things are unique enough to this episode that you don't get in other episodes that I think that's why the internet voted this as one of the best. I think this is the best episode because of the ethical dilemma that they face. Should they stay where they're prosperous even once they realize this is not actually home? Or should they go? That's a hard decision. If you've been leaping, leaping, leaping. Excuse me. If you've been sliding, 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 <laughs> all you want to do is go home, and here you have something that's almost there, so close. Pretty close. 99.9% apparently. It's really, really <laughs> tempting to stay there, so I really appreciated that aspect of it. I think there is an earlier episode where they actually do slide back to Earth Prime, mm. but Quinn goes and tests the gate, and it doesn't squeak, and he's like, up, oh, we're not here. And then they leave and slide again. Whoa. And then right as they leave, this guy comes out of the house. He's like a handyman. He's like, yep, I fixed the gate. It doesn't squeak anymore. And Whoa. And so they they miss, they miss oh, that. Oh, really? If yeah. only he had picked up a history book. So depressing. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I think the only way this is the best episode is because of the cliffhanger. You know, <clears throat> when I look at the when I look at the body of work of this series. There's a an Earth Prime where there's no penicillin, and that's really amazing. There's the Russian, you know, what if the Soviets won the Cold War, which is, I think, how the, the pilot starts off. There's, as we mentioned earlier, you know, British winning the uh, American Revolution. And then one about what if prohibition were never repealed. I mean, these are fascinating thought experiments that I think television can do a ton with. And I just don't get it. I don't get why this episode was liked more than some of those other thought experiments you guys have any idea dom i think it's the best episode or at least viewed as the best episode because i don't know how like united they are but this is a real episode where these four are like split apart in very very real and distinctive ways this seems like a very critical episode and of course the cliffhanger so that's what i would say but i liked the best episode i had never seen an episode of sliders till i saw this one and i thought it was pretty good Well, let's move on and talk about the worst. But before we do that, Greg, 
I hope that you're enjoying a new craft soda. Tell us about it. Well, would you look at this? Whoa. That's Ooh, a big... Got there? That is a big bottle. Yeah, this is 33.8 ounces. Huge. It's a liter. And I have chosen to drink from the local market called Trader Joe's. And they had this French market sparkling berry lemonade. And it came in a big bottle. I have drunk about half of it, so... Does that count as a soda if it's a lemonade? Sure. It's sparkling, I don't want... which means it's carbonated. Oh. <laughs> is that all that... Is that statutorily all that's needed to be a soda? I think in this particular uh, reality, we're going to count it. Oh, I can appreciate that. I probably shouldn't drink this entire liter. Why not? That would be 96 grams of sugar right before bed. That's not that much. All right. <laughs> I'm convinced. <laughs> so we're, we're, we're working on it. So, Greg, do you want to tell us in 90 seconds or less the plot line for the worst episode, which is season five? Episode 18, which is the series finale, The Seer. Yeah, I'm feeling like I'm getting a second, third, and fourth wind simultaneously. It's probably that sugar. Anyway, worst episode of Sliders. Excuse me. Sliders. 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 Werenberg. (laughs) You all right? Yeah. I'm just ready to move on. Here we go. Worst episode. Only Rembrandt remains from our original four sliders. So in our worst episode, we see him and three new sliders who have arrived in a new reality. There's a big celebration, and the sliders apparently have a cult-like following now. We meet the Seer, who can predict the quartet sliding. This is why they were greeted by that big welcome party. The Seer and his daughter want to make a religion out of the sliders. Slideology. Ugh. (laughs) <laughs> but but the sliders just want to move on to the next reality. The seer says they can't move on. Since he can see the sliders' future, he predicts that if they all slide, they all will die. die. They want to slide anyway, but the seer's daughter is too excited about the money-making potential. And so she sends some goons, and, and those goons destroy their remote control. They find some technology from this reality's victorious war against the alien Cro-Mags, and they set up a new portal. <laughs> the daughter tries to stop them. The seer tries to save them. But after a scuffle with the goons, they get the portal open and just Rembrandt goes through, leaving the remaining three to wonder if he survived because he went alone rather than all four of them. And then the whole series is over. That's it. What do we do now? Okay. Wow. So in the opening scene, we get all of these new characters and immediately the quality of acting is rural community theater. <laughs> and You're not wrong. <laughs> I try to say this with no disrespect to the people who are in the show. Because they're working hard. Who I'm sure are they got paid. decent actors. But the one of the new characters who's Mallory. Yeah, go ahead and explain that. Jerry O'Connell didn't want to be in the show anymore because he wanted his brother to be in the show with him. And the network was like, no, we're not going to have your brother in here anymore. And so Jerry O'Connell said, well, fine, forget it. Fine. So in season four, they basically took Jerry O'Connell and his brother and fused them into one new character called Mallory who looks and acts nothing like either of them. <laughs> I'm your Quinn. I didn't mean it that way. Well, so we we get a lot 
happening after this, they thought they were going to be sliding home because apparently they got the coordinates to go home and their slide was interrupted by the seer who lives in a world where they defeated the alien Cro-Mags using some kind of genetically engineered virus and they stole a bunch of their sliding technology. Anyway, it's stupid. They meet this seer. They're going to start a religion. The group is sitting in a hotel room and they've come to find there's a TV show called Sliders about us. They're watching it, and there's this line <laughs> that they insert about how the show was revived due to fan support. And then one of the characters says, See what a letter writing campaign could do? Some people have way too much time on their hands. <laughs> Whoa. It yeah. was just kind of this big F you to the fans. And I just don't understand why the writer would do this. I mean, this show lasted five seasons because of the fans. These people were employed because of the fans. Man, you were lucky to have a job. You know, I know it's not the actors that wrote that in there, but the fact is the writers have a job because of these fans. But I think it was their way of, you know, how Arrested Development kind of wrote in those little kind of quirky things about being canceled and all that. I think they probably knew their show had no future. Uh, so, yeah, sticking it to the fans, not, yeah. not a good idea. I mean, you, they should have made fun of themselves. Right. And that's what you bring up with Arrested Development. Like, there's one thing to be self-deprecating, but it's another thing to just make fun of your fans. Like Overtly. Yeah. yeah, I didn't like that. This is my fault. Oh, no, it's not. It's those crazy fans. It's another mark that they've missed very badly with this episode. No doubt. No doubt. And they're sitting there having a conversation, and it becomes immediately evident that the chemistry is just not there. Like, I liked the chemistry in the first episode that we watched the best, the original Four Sliders. I thought they worked together really, really great. This chemistry is really, really bad. I love... Dr. Diana Davis, I think she's amazing. But just the way that all four of these characters work together, I, I just feel like what makes this the worst episode is not just the series finale. It's all bubbled to the surface that these four, they're just not clicking together. Yeah, I, I, I think everyone in the show knew the ship was, it's, it's done. So they're hanging out in a hotel, again, waiting for the religion to start, which by the way, is like the stupidest religion ever. This idea that you're worshiping these four. Well, here's one interesting thing. So the seer believes that he is seeing the future. Or he's, he's able to, to predict the future. Whereas the daughter sees his gift or psychosis or whatever it is as an opportunity to be wealthy. But besides the fact that this is just a stupid idea. So they wind up in this little storage room with all of the alien technology they find. Looks like the Cro-Mag department at Best Buy. And that's when the daughter and her goons catch up with her. That scene, they're in a closet somewhere in the studio because the show can no longer afford their bills. <laughs> then the goons come in. This fight scene. It, it was like three people with guns walked into a room. Uh-huh. Three people who are unarmed on the other side of the room. And I blinked. And the guns completely switch sides. <laughs> Simultaneously, <laughs> all three non-action hero stars overpower these goons from the, the religious mafia. And <laughs> the most horrific action stunt doubling I've ever seen on TV. There, there were no stunts I mean, necessary for that. This, <laughs> no, I go back to Babylon 5 and I think, wow, that was 
excellent action. <laughs> so that was So you're horrific. you're changing your tune on the TKO fight scene now? I am officially <laughs> Changing my tune after seeing the well, action work the, here. The yes, end absolutely. makes no sense in this episode. So I mentioned that there was a virus. They used a virus to defeat the Cro-Mags on that Earth. And so the group wants to get the virus so that when they go back to Earth Prime, they can kill the Cro-Mags that have taken over their world. But then they learn that it's in everyone's blood. And so this super fan just <laughs> takes out a needle and draws his own blood and gives it to Remy. And it's just like, here, now you have the virus. And so what Rembrandt does is he just injects himself with this blood to give himself the virus mm. so that he can now slide and take out the Cro-Max. Now, mm. I don't have a degree in biology, mm. but I know that if you just willy-nilly start putting other people's blood into your arm, you're going to die. Well, I don't know about <laughs> death, but... I'm 85% sure that that's true. No, it said that... What was that guy's name that you said gave him the blood again? He was a super fan. I yeah, have no idea. The super fan was. was a universal donor. So. Ah, there you go. The University of oh, they said that? No. <laughs> Kids, do not inject other people's blood into your blood. <laughs> if you yeah. get a vaccine and then you just take some blood from yourself and give that blood to another person. I don't think that's how it works. Even if they're the same blood type, I don't think you have the vaccine now. Again, it's very clear that none of us are scientists yeah. Or should have ever talked to a scientist <laughs> or looked at a scientist. All I <laughs> but I'm pretty confident we got this one. <laughs> oh my god. Kids, listen to your Uncle James. Do not inject blood. <laughs> Anyone else's blood or your own. Don't inject anything. Just talk to your parents. Or your medical professional. <laughs> so anyway why is this the worst episode we already mentioned the acting well there were a couple scenes where maggie who was played by kari war had to be emotional and really just swung and missed on every oh you think so i thought she was the only uh, one that would kind of had some glimpses of professionalism I mean, I think she was the most seasoned actor of the group other than the guy who played Rembrandt. I think when, it, when we're talking about the acting, how much does not having John Reese davis hurt this show? Uh, tons. I think I, I just love watching him and listening to him. I think he's just an amazing actor. you know. But then Jerry O'Connell, I mean, the two of them missing is just a huge gut punch for the show. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think another reason why this was voted the worst was, again, just the hot dump on the fans. Fox actually canceled this show after season one. Oh, really? Yeah. But it was brought back two times because of this massive write-in campaign. Really? And really? Sci-Fi picked up the show after season – Fox finally canceled it for good after season three because yeah. of the dedicated audience, which is impressive because this is 1996. Nothing was going viral at this point. I know for me, the peak of the internet was using AOL Instant Messenger to talk to girls who were really guys – I don't. Am I the only one? Say more about that. <laughs> yeah, keep going. Let's, uh, the girls I talked to are all girls. I, what's the, what are you talking? Let's hear about? some more personal stories. You don't know that. How do you know that? 
I just, just believe, like the X Files taught me. <laughs> well, I'm just saying. I mean, the conversations that I had on AL Instant Messenger, I'm not proud of. <laughs> I would love to go back and see a transcript of your AOL. Of all of them. But anyway, it's just not right to the fans for the series finale. Here's what I want to believe happened. The writers were trying to involve the fans because of how huge they were in keeping it alive. They did it in a, in a disparaging way. But I think that their hope was the fans feel involved, included, respected, part of the end of the show or whatever. Um, but apparently sci-fi hated this show. And what I think happened is they were testing the producers at the Sci-Fi Channel, and they would write things in that were contrary to what their contract said. Like, they just didn't care. I'll talk to the TV writers. They're hacks. They'll do anything for a buck. Imagine being in charge of a show, being a producer or, or director, and, and just holding almost contempt for the work that you're producing. What a terrible episode to end in this run, because I like Sliders. But if you're going to end a show without cameos, like bring Jerry O'Connell back. Bring John Reese davies back. Bring, show me the Cro-Mags. I want to see a Cro-Mag. I have still have no idea what a Cro-Mag is. I know they're an alien. Do they have two arms? Do they have two legs? It's a big tease. Not just the cliffhanger, but ending the series like this. And again, I understand very clearly that it was not renewed. They were hoping it would be. But still, just a big, big disappointment. Yeah. I think this is the worst, worst episode we've ever watched. I agree. I mean, even in other shows that we watched that were bad. Like, I think of Magnum P.I. with the dog. Like, that was stupid. That was funny, though. Exactly. There were comedic elements to it. Now, you guys, you're going to go in and get my dog. Real simple, real fast. In and out. Anybody gets in your way, bing, bang, boom. (laughs) (laughs) You know, like all of the shows, the worst episodes, there's something redeeming, something we can laugh at or appreciate. But this was just bad at every single turn. (laughs) It was horrible. Now, I would say my biggest issue that I have is the fashion. What? So I was feeling right at home with the fashion. I never thought about it until I watched this show and I didn't realize how ridiculous we all looked in the 90s. Grunge. Oh, that's not fair. Oh, that's not fair. I thought it was terrible. And it really reminded me of this time in high school. It was one morning where I dressed myself. Bad idea. And I... And I <laughs> that was every morning for me. And I wore, non-ironically, plaid shorts yeah. with a Hawaiian t-shirt. Good. And I thought I looked great. You might have. I walked into school with the most confidence I've ever had in my entire life. Oh, no. Now that's and a within, question. And within 10 seconds, my friend comes up to me laughing and says, dude, you look ridiculous. That's awesome. And immediately <laughs> I realized that I've made a terrible mistake. I missed the 90s. <laughs> I couldn't wait to get home. Wait, why do you say that's awesome? He thought I was wearing it as a joke, and I wasn't. I ran to every class that day. It's a colorful blur. <laughs> but that was the 90s. 
I love anyway. the fashion. I miss it. Well, this was a low-budget show, and Dom, yeah. you made quite the statement in our last episode of Babylon 5. Yeah. Quite the critique. My gosh. Of uh-huh. how low-budget it was. So I'm wondering, while I don't know if this was a low-budget show, I mean, it was put on by Fox, so there had to have been some amount of money, but it looked low-budget. Yeah. At first. And I'm just wondering, are you counting it against uh, it? No, I, I mean... I. <laughs> the first episode there's very little going on with the set for a sci-fi type show but again it's in the vein of quantum leap you know most sci-fi shows i think they go crazy like star trek or or babylon 5 you have to do a ton of special effects and makeup and here you don't really have to do that but it still looked low budget well i don't know that it did you're making my point even more i don't know that it did for the time they didn't have to spend the money on special effects they definitely didn't spend the money on clothes (laughs) i don't think it looks low budget compared to like quantum leap i think it looks comparable oh um like usual i'm in the middle so (laughs) (laughs) no i'm not holding that against this show i think babylon 5 i'm gonna defend my position there it's not that it was low budget and it looked low budget which it did cardboard <laughs> walls okay what, what my problem is is that they were trying to maintain their existence by intentionally cutting costs and taking away from what they could have done a better job in just to prove to the studio that they shouldn't be asked this you make me so angry that you're making me defend babylon 5 because i don't want to but you're making me look it is what every show attempts to come in under budget at budget because if you don't do that you will get canceled even if you're you're a great show if you have the ratings they will fudge on the budget that's a fact that's not a fact it's a fact i'm in the middle (laughs) (laughs) i just think that with the budget of this show it should at least draw an equivalent amount of ire as babylon 5 did wait does it does it dog no look i agree with you that the i think this worst episode was nauseating i i thought it was ridiculous now with some special effects for the time it was about right babylon 5 special oh god back in babylon 5 it's babylon 5 special effects were better than slider hot take why don't you marry babylon 5 and just get it over you know what i wish i could pull it up right now because one of the things we talked about was that babylon 5 isn't streaming and someone on Instagram pointed out that recently HBO Max is now streaming on Instagram. And I'll tell you what, it makes me want what? to get HBO Max. HBO Max. To get Babylon 5? It's a premium service. Yeah. You're saying that you want to watch Babylon 5 and you'll pay a monthly subscription to watch the entire series? No, not just that. I also want to watch Godzilla versus Kong. <laughs> <laughs> Well, we would all pay for that. And that Game of Thrones episode with nudity. <laughs> all of them. There was only the one. <laughs> Wait, Dom, I, I need to know. We need uh, to know right now. What? Is Sliders better than Babylon 5? Uh, the first three seasons, yes. Is the worst episode of, of Babylon 5 better than the worst episode of Sliders? Yes. All right. That's, that's Oh, yes. Okay. Yes, yes. 
I don't. That's a I win. That's a win. I'll take Listen, it. Listen. Moving the, on. The, uh, one no, of the things. No, 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 no. <laughs> I have to say one thing. The last two seasons, the last, I don't even have to see the fourth season to know that those don't count. When you look at Sliders as a series, you should only look at the first three seasons. I think that's a fair statement. All right. Uh, I will ask the question, would you all like to watch more of the show? I already know the answer, but I do want to ask it. I ha- I have watched, and I did go back and watched more. And yeah, in the right. first and second seasons, the alternate histories are so compelling that I end up watching the whole episode. Okay, this is, but see, this is why it's such a good show. I mean, you sit in history class because you have to growing up, and you're thinking about, oh, prohibition. What if that wouldn't have been repealed? What would the whole world be like? I think that's amazing storytelling. Yeah. The alternative histories are really interesting to think about. Dom, you mentioned Prohibition. All of these different- Or like the Russians win the Cold War. You know? I mean, if the Russians won the Cold War and were controlling the United States, Red Dawn much, you know? Yeah. I mean, it's just the sad story of the show because it's the studios, it's the networks that I think really ruined the show. Like you start with this compelling premise- I mean, one of the reasons why John Reese davies left was because they were just ripping story elements off of whatever was going on at the time. Like, they had a oh, movie yeah. where they slid into a park full of Jurassic dinosaurs. Oh. They had an episode of Underground Monsters. Wonder where they got that. <laughs> oh, and dear. John Reese davies in an article that I'd read, he said he walked into the the writer's room, and they were watching the movie Species and saying, oh, we could use that scene in this show and we could take that scene and do this. And they were just completely copying. Yeah, That's what led him to leave. Yeah. And then this leads to you know, the other actors leaving, but it just lowers the entire quality of the entire show. I mean, you want to see how a network can ruin a show. Sliders is your case in point. That's a good mm-hmm. example. It's sad. What about an alternate reality where we stop talking about the show and talk about our awards? Wow. Let's do that. How do you like that transition? Very subtle. (laughs) (laughs) Just like your yearbook had superlative awards, we here at TV Brick like to give our own awards. So our flagship award is the Extra Mile. Extra Mile. It is a hard job acting in Hollywood, so I've heard. Many pay their dues by being an extra. And when you're an extra, you're on screen for five seconds. And you need to make your mark. So this award goes to the actor who went above and beyond, or the extra mile to stand out in some way. So I have an extra mile. In the worst episode, the seer has created this giant cult and he predicted the arrivals of the sliders and it was a huge event and there was a camera guy on the steps as the sliders returned to great fanfare and i emphasize a camera guy because he was the only one on the stairs (laughs) and so i think he gets this award pretty much by default because at this point the show probably couldn't get enough extras to fill the episode and he Magic just cuts. pulled the golden role of being the sole cameraman <laughs> to yeah. to videotape the sliders return okay okay I have an award. This is the Mea Culpa Award because after watching the worst episode of Sliders, I have to say I am 
truly, deeply, and genuinely sorry to all the Babylon 5 <laughs> fans who yeah. I accused of living in their parents' basement. I mean, this this was the, the worst of the bad I've ever seen for Sliders. I'm so happy I was here for this journey that you've been on. I know. I've come a long ways. You sure have. I have an award. I call it the Classic 90s Award. And it's a pretty simple award. And it goes to Jerry O'Connell for having the classic 90s hair that I always tried to emulate so much, but I never could. The hair. It looked good. The butt cut. <laughs> so that's that's my award. It's simple because, you know, it just brings you back. Classic 90s. Well, I have one more award. It's the Rex Quando <laughs> Award for the choreographer of the worst episode for all the fight and action scenes. They must have hired somebody who lied on their resume to say that they could choreograph. Is that the Chore- verb? Choreograph. Choreograph. Mm-hmm a fight scene because that was redunculous. <laughs> Would it have been better if they had been wearing American flag Zubas? Uh, like Rex Quando? Yes. Just making a reference no, to that. Um. I don't know. Yeah, I <laughs> well, What's a Zumba? It's like the big baggy pants. That's called a Zumba? I don't know. That's... <laughs> Look, it's obvious Zumba. that all of us hosts know a lot about fashion, <laughs> pants, <laughs> and blood work. <laughs> blood work. Oh my god. Uh, well, I don't know how you pronounce it. I always pronounce it Zumba, but anyway. I have an award that I would like to talk about. Okay. My award is the Let's Rub Some Viagra on That Award. Uh, this is a family show. And this, well, it goes into the last episode, the series finale. There were a few scenes where Kari were needed to deliver an emotional punch. And as much as I do love Miss Wurr, she just couldn't perform that day because she was mm. just a little emotionally impotent. And I hate to believe that she is, in an acting sense, that emotionally flaccid. Hmm. It's a band name. <laughs> so my award actually does not go for her, but for her tear ducts, because maybe if they had rubbed some Viagra in her eyes, she would have been able to rise to the occasion. <laughs> no, so you didn't. you didn't care for the climax of this show? <laughs> <laughs> That's terrible. We're cutting that. <laughs> what? <laughs> what? I mean, uh, wow. But also, this is wow. just another indicator that we know nothing about science and medicine at all <laughs> as we rub it in our eyes. <laughs> Kids, do not crush up the blue pill and rub it in your eyes. <laughs> it was just a sweet tart. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Oh, dear. Oh, my God. Well, that brings us to the end of our episode and the end of our second season of the TV yearbook talking about 90s science fiction television. You can check us out on Facebook or Twitter or Instagram at the TV yearbook. You can email us at the TV yearbook at gmail.com. And now you can also find us on Patreon. So please do reach out and let us know what you think of the show and what you would like us to do in the future. Also, we would love it if you would rate and review the show wherever you get your podcasts. We do pay attention to those reviews, and we would love to hear from you. And speaking of reviews, Greg, your carbonated lemonade soda, Mm. you didn't finish it. Uh, It's it's a liter, Jimmy. It looks nice. 
It's a lot. Yeah, it is a lot. lot. But I did finish a, a good portion. It was okay. This is fine. I know I drank quite a bit of it, but let me tell you a little about our sparkling berry lemonade. First off, it does contain 1% juice. So that's pretty good. The sugar is, as always, excessive. But that's pretty good. That's pretty good. One percent of my daily juice allotment. It says berry on it, and now I know that there are berries in it. Gosh, I mean, what would that be? Do they just like squeeze a raspberry and just one droplet goes in there? Like, yeah, it's about one percent. We'll round up. No, it's lemon juice concentrate and strawberry juice concentrate. There you go. And fruit and vegetable juice for color. That's where you get the (laughs) drops. Look at that. You're getting your greens in. You're getting your roughage with this soda. Yeah. Well done. Well done. So overall, I probably won't buy this again. It's a very large beverage. Mm. But actually, yeah, it's a very large beverage. Anyway. (laughs) 